Marcuse contra Marx Revolutionary Strategy and the Role of the Proletariat in the Work of Herbert Marcuse Undergraduate Honors Thesis by Craig A. Whittall, April 2007 Introduction The primary objective of this dissertation is to account for the theoretical foundations upon which Herbert Marcuse based his assertion that the working class in advanced industrial capitalism have become integrated into its governing economic and political structures. Its secondary objective is to examine Marcuse's model of revolution, to explore the similarities and differences between the models of Marcuse and Marx, and to evaluate the extent to which Marcuse's revolution can be seen as congruent with traditional Marxist theories of revolutionary social change. The underlying theme of the entire dissertation is to analyze the extent to which the thought of Herbert Marcuse constitutes a genuine manifestation of Marxist social theory, particularly when viewed against his established historical reputation as proponent of revisionist Marxism. In order to achieve its objectives, this dissertation will be separated into three chapters. Chapter 1 will seek to investigate the reason why Marxist political theory conceives of the proletariat as the sole historical agent of revolutionary social change. It will examine the nature of the proletariat's creation through the dialectical development of capitalism, the key definitional features of the proletariat, and how the proletariat's strategic location in the capitalist mode of production make it the sole feasible agent of revolution. Chapter 2 will move on to analyze the grounds upon which Marcuse constructs his contention that the proletariat have been successfully integrated into prevailing structures of advanced industrial capitalism. It will look at the dialectical development of monopoly capitalism as a distinctive reconfiguration of the mode of production, the underlying transition toward the paradigm of technological rationality as an integrative force upon the laboring classes, and it will explore Marcuse's analysis of the material, political, and cultural integration of the working class into the established capitalist system. Finally, Chapter 3 will examine both Marx's and Marcuse's model of revolution, seeking to find similarities and differences in their conceptions of revolutionary social change. It will examine Marx's notions of the crisis tendency in capitalism, the need for the socialization of the means of production, and the Marxist notion of a revolutionary vanguard. In relation to Marcuse, it will examine Marcuse's conception of the role of the proletariat and his controversial notion of the radical intelligentsia as possible agents of social change. It will also examine his analysis of technological development in making possible the abolition of toil and scarcity and investigate the physical mechanics of Marcuse's revolution in order to throw into sharp relief his relationship with Marx. This dissertation will conclude with a detailed summary and analysis of all the points discussed throughout the previous chapters, in which I will aim to demonstrate the strength of Marcuse's commitment to a fundamentally Marxist conception of revolutionary social change. Chapter 1 the Marxist Conception of the Revolutionary Proletariat The central feature of Marxist revolutionary theory 
is the role of the proletariat as the historical agent of social change. In his dialectical analysis of industrial capitalism, Marx explains the way in which this revolutionary class is created through the inherent contradiction in the capitalist mode of production between the social nature of work and the private ownership of the means of production. Through concepts such as the appropriation of surplus value from the worker and the objectification of human labor necessary in the capitalist production process, Marxist social theory demonstrates the imminence of exploitation and alienation to the economic organization of capitalism. It is the resultant generation of intolerable conditions of existence for those within the working class and the impossibility of their amelioration under the governing economic framework that made the proletariat a necessarily revolutionary force in Marxist political theory. This chapter will explore the relationship between Marxist theory and the concept of the revolutionary proletariat. It will analyze Marx's conception of the proletariat, discussing the key definitional features of the revolutionary working class. Firstly, I will seek to examine four key notions in the Marxist definition of the proletariat. The nature of its creation through the dynamics of industrial capitalism, the basis of the material exploitation of the working class in the capitalist production process, the causes and effects of alienation inherent within capitalist commodity production, and the generation of intolerable living conditions for the majority of the constituent population. I will then move on to explain key factors which make the proletariat the single possible agent of revolutionary social change in Marxist theory focusing upon their vital need to subvert the material conditions of life under capitalism, their ability to seize and socialize the means of production, the fact that the proletariat constitutes the majority of the population, and the fact that the proletariat embody the determinate negation of bourgeois society, whose very existence gives the lie to the rhetorical ideals of freedom and justice imminent to the ideological superstructure of liberal capitalism. This chapter is intended to set the Marxist context for the evaluation of Marcuse's analysis of the integration of the proletariat, and so is essentially explanatory in character. I have included no overall critique of Marxist theory per se, as the aim of the entire dissertation is to evaluate Marcuse's theory qua Marxism. This chapter should be understood as introductory, laying the groundwork for the theoretical appraisal of Marcuse in the remaining chapters. In Marxist theory, the proletariat is the creation of the dialectical development of capitalist production relations. It is created as capitalism supersedes the feudal mode of production and, by virtue of the increasing concentration of economic power in the hands of the new ruling class, results in the bifurcation of society into two opposing classes, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. In Marx's analysis, the multiple class antagonisms of earlier societies become simplified as the distinction between capitalist and land rentier, like that between the tiller of the soil and factory worker, disappears, and the whole of society must fall apart into the two classes, the property owners and the propertyless workers. The proletariat's lack of property is a central feature of its definition and role in revolutionary Marxist theory. Without control over the privately owned means of production, and without any form of capital or property, the proletariat occupy a position outside of bourgeois society. 
Their lack of any vested interest in the capitalist system make the proletariat a revolutionary class with nothing to lose and everything to gain in overthrowing the institution of private property, upon which capitalist production relations are based. In addition to their propertyless status, the proletariat are also defined by the nature of their employment. Marxist economic and political theory demonstrates the processes by which bourgeois profits are created and maintained through the endemic exploitation of the laboring classes in society. In the Grundrisse, Marx shows that workers involved in material production receive a wage approximately equal to the amount necessary for their subsistence, or rather for the physical reproduction of their labor power, and which, if realized against the exchange value of the goods they produced, would only necessitate working a fraction of the mandatory working day. The value, in exchange terms, of the rest of the working day is appropriated by the owner of the means of production as surplus value, the extraction of surplus value being the basis of the rate of profit. This results in the laborer working a proportion of his day in service to the owner of the means of production without receiving adequate payment, hence the Marxist use of the term wage slavery. As workers become more productive and increase the value and range of commodities they produce, they become increasingly poorer. By producing more exchange value, workers lessen the proportion of the day's production which is necessary for their subsistence, and increase the proportion of the working day for which they are essentially unpaid, and from which the employer extracts greater amounts of surplus value. The specific nature of this exploitation further defines the proletariat and their role in capitalist relations of production. The economic necessity of maintaining and increasing this exploitation in the drive to maximize the rate of profit supports the Marxist conclusion that the working class must have an inherent antagonism towards the capitalist mode of production and therefore naturally become the agent of revolutionary social change. In addition to physical exploitation, Marx and many other later theorists shared a concern with the social and psychological effects of the capitalist production process. For Marx, labor is the natural condition of human existence. It plays a central role in both the physical reproduction and self-definition of the species. The difference between human labor and the work of other animals is that, whilst animals produce one-sidedly the things they require for their immediate survival, man's labor is universal. It is not dictated only by need and it serves a reflective role as the objects of human labor become objectifications of humanity's species being, the realization of the human essence into the material world. Therefore, when the object of an individual's labor is appropriated by another, as in capitalist relations of production, a fundamental alienation between man and his species being as free producer is created and man's true species life is downgraded to the point of becoming a mere means to physical survival. This process of estrangement leads to an ever deeper alienation of the worker, not only from the object of his labor, but also from himself. Capitalism reduces the worker to an object of labor, and the worker sees his labor power no longer as the root of his species being, but rather as an objectified commodity to be bought and sold on the open market. The alienation and objectification of such an integral part of the individual's person is the beginning of the process of reification, the degrading and pernicious nature of which was expounded most forcefully by Lukács in History and Class Consciousness. Neither objectively nor in relation to his work does man appear as the authentic master of the process of production. 
On the contrary, he is a mechanical part incorporated into a mechanical system. He finds it already pre-existing and self-sufficient. It functions independently of him, and he has to conform to its laws whether he likes it or not. As the division of labor fragments the nature of work into increasingly specialized tasks, the worker also finds himself further alienated and fragmented in relation to his vital human needs. And the process of reification famously culminates in the alienated perception of social relations between men as objective relationships between things. The universalized nature of commodity production under industrial capitalism is therefore responsible for the physical and psychical mutilation of those forced to sell their labor in order to survive. To quote again from Lukacs, The proletarian's fate is typical of society as a whole in that this self-objectification, this transformation of a human function into a commodity, reveals, in all its starkness, the dehumanized and dehumanizing function of the commodity relation. The tendencies toward dehumanization and reification inherent in capitalist relations of production, therefore, combine with the naked exploitation of workers in the production process itself to create, within the proletariat, an ever-increasing vital need for revolutionary social change. This conjunction of alienation and exploitation, and the ever-increasing intensity of these processes as capitalism continues its drive toward greater concentrations of wealth and greater levels of industrial productivity, are held to create for the proletariat intolerable conditions of existence. Marxist theory demonstrates that the fate of the worker under industrial capitalism is one of continuing arrest of his free development that in order to survive, he must surrender himself to a mode of production which mortifies his body and ruins his mind. Furthermore, it requires a subjective awareness of such conditions, both in terms of the contingent subjectivity of the individual worker and the constitutive subjectivity of the proletariat as a class, to actualize the revolutionary character latent within the working class. Having demonstrated the tendencies within the development of the capitalist mode of production which created the proletariat as a class with a necessarily revolutionary agenda, it is important to examine the ways in which Marxist theory understands their role in affecting radical revolutionary social change. Here I intend to develop three points. Firstly, that the proletariat are the only social group capable of seizing and socializing the means of production. Secondly, that the proletariat constitute the majority of all industrial populations. And finally, that the proletariat's existence as such forms the dialectical, determinate negation not only of bourgeois society, but of human civilization itself. Marxism recognizes the key strategic position of the proletariat within the economic organization of capitalism, insofar as the workers are in direct operational control of the means of production. This situation itself is part of the dialectical unfolding of the logic of capitalism, as Gramsci observed. Capitalist concentration, demanded by the mode of production, produces a corresponding concentration of the working human masses. This is the fact that underlies all the revolutionary theses of Marxism. In its drive toward rationalization and productive efficiency, industrial capitalism creates larger units of production with larger workforces in order to achieve economies of scale. One corollary of this process is the increasingly social character of work. 
which forms the basis of one of the inherent contradictions of capitalism when contrasted with the capitalist's private ownership of both workplace and product. One further corollary of this process, and perhaps more prescient in regard to revolutionary class politics, is the tendency for workers in larger units of production to organize themselves effectively, a development reinforced by the increasing organization and specialization of work through the intensifying division of labor. The capitalist dynamic does not only create the proletariat as a class with a vital need for revolutionary change, it also provides it with key weapons of revolt, organization, discipline, etc., and key strategic positions throughout the economic base from which to attack the prevailing structures of power. To quote from Mandel, Capitalism raises the proletariat, concentrates it in bigger and bigger enterprises, instills industrial discipline into it, and, alongside this, provokes the emergence of elementary cooperation and solidarity in the workplace. The dual processes of increasing organization and the occupation of key strategic positions, all created through the internal logic of capitalism itself, are the central foundations for the Marxist belief that the proletariat are the only class within society capable of creating and maintaining a revolution against the power of bourgeois capitalism. The assertion that the proletariat constitute the majority of the population under capitalism is essentially tautological. However, as an integral and essential component of both Marx's and Marcuse's concept of revolution, this point requires a brief clarification in order to set the relevance of Marcuse's integration of the proletariat thesis in an appropriate context. By distinguishing between the minority-led revolutions of the past and the majority-led proletarian revolution of the future, Marx acknowledges the fundamental importance of the mass basis of the revolution. This central tenet of revolutionary Marxism is echoed in Lenin's commitment to the inclusion of the peasantry in Russia's revolutionary struggle as a necessary precondition for its success, and in Gramsci's concept of hegemonic class alliances required to effectively mobilize the majority of the working population against capitalism. The demographic preponderance of the proletariat in capitalist societies creates, for revolutionary Marxism, an agent of social change whose interests and sheer size effectively preclude the elitist and minoritarian prejudices of previous revolutionary groupings. The final revolutionary characteristic of the proletariat that requires examination here is the status of the proletariat as the determinate negation of society. As the terminology itself implies, this aspect of Marx's analysis is deeply rooted in the Hegelian tradition from which Marx's dialectical analysis was indirectly derived. The conditions in which the proletariat are forced to live are negative conditions insofar as they negate the human values that bourgeois society claims to uphold. The exploitation and alienation of workers in capitalist societies creates the proletariat as the living negation of famous bourgeois ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of human happiness, as a class whose very existence becomes an indictment of human civilization itself. Marx holds that the abolition of the negative condition of proletariat holds the key to the liberation of all human society. The emancipation of society from private property, etc., from servitude, is expressed in the political form of the emancipation of the workers. Not that their emancipation alone was at stake, 
but because the emancipation of the workers also contains universal human emancipation, and it contains this because the whole of human servitude is involved in the relation of the worker to production. As a group that exists both outside bourgeois society and as the negation of bourgeois society, the Marxist proletariat occupy a position from which they may potentially dissolve not only capitalist class relations, but class relations as such. The universal emancipation of the proletarian revolution is made possible by the universal negativity of their conditions of existence. As Marcuse puts it, the proletarian's concern to exist is not the concern of a given group, class, or nation, but is truly universal and world historical. This chapter has explored the relationship of the concept of the revolutionary proletariat to Marxist political theory. It has described the key features of the proletariat and the role that they play in revolutionary Marxism. The next chapter will proceed to analyze Marcuse's conception of the proletariat as a group that has been successfully integrated into the structure of capitalism. It will analyze the historical and theoretical developments employed by Marcuse to account for the perceived change in the nature, structure, and function of the industrial working class in advanced industrial capitalism a change which would imply the need for a strategic re-evaluation of the central concepts of proletarian revolution discussed here. In the next Menagerie, we will resume with Chapter 2, Herbert Marcuse and the Integration of the Proletariat. Please uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash epicincredulity. You'll get these menageries before the rest of the world. Or not. Whatever. You'll get it eventually. Either way, comrade, enjoy your epoch. <laughs>